0: So this is the final Sunday of Black History Month, and I was considering the, a few of the many, many, many folks we could call forth to honor um, their contributions to our society, the black Americans in particular. And one familiar name kept coming to mind, Oprah. <laughs> One we all know well, right? Oprah has shared so many life-inspiring messages over a multitude of different media outlets over the years. And um, she, I, I, her mission, actually, as a generous philanthropist, in addition to that, is to lead, educate, uplift, inspire, and empower women and children around the world. And to that end, she has donated more than $72 million to organizations that support her mission. Plus, you might know that she founded a school, an academy for girls, a leadership academy for girls in South Africa that she visits personally and visits with the girls personally on a fairly regular basis. So lots of good in the world. And a lot of the things that she teaches and brings forth are things that can dovetail really nicely with unity messages that are transformational and healing and encouraging and uplifting. So did you know the spiritual book that Oprah Winfrey says changed her life perspective and her understanding of religion? Anybody know? Yes, Discover the Power Within You by Unity Minister Eric Butterworth it's the class that's being taught right now on Thursday nights by the way by Bob Hardy still still an open class if you're interested in lining up with Oprah on this and um, last, week, we started a new series on core values. As Susan meant, Susan and Casey mentioned earlier, last week, the core value was love. This week, it's connection. And they are are similar. They are connected in some ways, and they are distinct in some ways. So I thought we'd start with touching on love and kind of flow from there, because love is a subject of an interview that Oprah had with another black American who has contributed very much to our society. Uh, She's an artist, singer, dancer, activist, scholar, and probably best known for her wisdom and poetry, Dr. Maya Angelou. And there is an interview where Oprah asks Maya Angelou some questions that lead to love. So let's take a look.
1: You say words are things and that they're so powerful. So what words do you turn to for comfort? Love. And again, see, I don't mean... I think, I think love is that condition in the human spirit so profound that it allows us to forgive. Mm-hmm. And it, it may be the energy which keeps the stars in the firmament. Yes, I'm not sure. It may be the energy which keeps the blood running smoothly through our veins. I'm not sure. But it's something beyond the explanation it can be used for anything you can explain, any good thing you can explain. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. Where do you go for solace, for comfort? Are there books that you read? or When Maya Angelou needs comforting, Yeah. yeah. What, yeah. Do, what do you use? I, I'm a student of Unity, and there's a book called the Unity Church? Unity yeah. Church. Mm-hmm. Maya first discovered the Unity Church in her 20s after her voice coach and mentor, Fred Wilkerson, invited her to a service there. Founded in 1889, Unity is a Christian movement that emphasizes affirmative prayer and education as a path to spirituality. I took a course in Unity about two years ago online, not to become a member, a minister, Uh but just to understand more deeply there's a book called Lessons in Truth, Wow! and in the book there's a line which is, God loves me, and when I came to read it to my then mentor, Frederick Wilkerson, uh, the late Frederick Wilkerson, mm-hmm. I read God Loves Me, and he said, read it again, and I said, God loves me. He said, read it again, mm. read it again, and finally I said, God loves me. It still humbles me that this force, which made leaves and fleas and, and stars and rivers and, and you, loves me. Me, Maya, Angela. It's amazing. I can do anything and do it well. Any good thing, I can do it. That's why I'm who I am. Yes, because God loves me and I'm amazed at it
0: and grateful for it. Powerful. Hmm? Boy, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall at that lessons in truth class <laughs> when Maya Angelou popped in. Uh, did you know that we were connected to these two very famous Americans in this way, spiritually, part of our spiritual family? Making connections, feeling connected, connecting the dots. That's what connection is all about. It's that feeling that we have, that knowing when we say, I don't know, there's something about that person or this situation or this place. I just feel really connected to it or to them. That sense of commonality, that sense of familiar, familiarity, brings that warmth to our hearts, doesn't it? Divine connection is also a feeling. It's a sensing of a benevolent presence, knowing we're not alone, that we're loved by something or someone bigger than us. Connection is the bridge that takes us to the heart of the divine. Did you walk that bridge with Maya as we walked her, watched her walk that bridge from head to heart? into that place of connection. First she was just saying the words that she read, God loves me. And then she dropped down further and you could feel that she was getting closer to the feeling, the connection, the presence, the love. Until finally, God loves me. Me, God loves me. The power of connecting with each other and taking those journeys with each other, witnessing but feeling ourselves take the same journey with someone else. I mean, I felt it throughout the room, tears throughout the room. When I, I watched this alone at home, I felt it, but not in the same way I do in your company. Because together, in connection, There is a a greater feeling, a more powerful feeling, because we are all moving together in the same journey to the heart of God and to the knowing that we are loved in this way. That we are loved in this way no matter what we do, no matter how we show up. It is humbling, as Maya said. It's humbling to recognize this truth. And we do it in, in, in a great way through our connection to each other and then feeling that connection to the divine. When I was a kid, religion in our house was more like a duty. Anybody relate to that? I mean, we went to church pretty regularly. And uh, my dad always regularly picked up that box of offering envelopes that had his name on it. And we said grace at the dinner table, the same prayer, which I heard the words wrong for many years. But finally, it's like one of those bad jokes, right? But I finally caught up with the the real words. I thought it said, uh, it was, come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. And I thought it was, be our, I don't know what I thought. No, I I can't think of it. But it was like something totally different. And anyway, memories. I also was taught uh, that now I lay me down to sleep prayer. Anybody taught that one? So we're pledging our soul to God if we die during our sleep as a small child. It was an uplifting one. <laughs> and that was pretty much it. Nobody talked about it. Nobody talked about their experience. Nobody talked about a spiritual walk or an experience or a feeling or a love of God. Nobody said, God loves me. Nobody said, God loves you, little Kristen. I didn't get those messages. I didn't get the feeling. I didn't get the spirit of it. I got the letter of the law. Yet somehow... There was an underlying knowing, feeling, connection to the mystery, a feeling uh, aligned to that faith, to that walk. And so that was an important piece. And then one day, my grandmother gave me this little chachki. It was a plastic about this big kind of statue that had two pieces, had a little brown base with two slots, and one slot had a picture of Jesus with his arms kind of flowy robes and his arms and three, maybe three or four children sitting at the base with him. And then the other piece said, Jesus loves me. It was always falling off, and then I was putting it back on. But I'm telling you, that cheap little piece gave me so much. It was such a sacred object to me. It communicated something from my grandmother to me that said, there's a feeling in this. There's an experience in this that matters, and I could sense that there is this loving, benevolent figure that loves me, and so it's natural for me to love it back. And also in the figure itself, one of the kids' heads fell off at some point, but, <laughs> but the kids that you could see their eyes; they were, you know, admi- admiringly looking at Jesus was admiringly looking at them. And they also were one piece. So their robes kind of flowed together as one. And so all of this out of this little plastic tchotchke that was so meaningful and sacred to me. Do you have an object like that? Or many, maybe, over the years? Different things that have come to mean something for you that have been sacred for you in whatever ways? And so if you do have such a thing, I want to encourage you to make that connection with it again, to put it somewhere where you can see it and reflect upon it, where you can touch it and experience it again, and remember again what it is that it touches in you, because when we do that, we're also including another aspect of our being, our physicality, our senses. Children aren't the only ones who need literal experiences and physical experiences to understand invisible spirit and to connect with it. We need it too. We are physical beings. We, are, we do have these bodies, and they can be very much a part of our spirituality, And I think it's important that they are a part of our spirituality because then everything is more potent and felt and experienced in a holistic way. In fact, in our description of the unity of Walnut Creek core value of connection, we say we are whole in body, mind, and spirit. So we see connection both as a pathway to oneness and also as a part of our wholeness within ourselves. So in the body, with the body, we can, you know, do different things that allow us to engage in spiritual practice, to maintain that conscious connection, which is really the spiritual goal, isn't it? It's to make the connection, to feel the connection, and then to maintain the connection so that it isn't just a one-off. Oh, right, last Sunday there was that moment we all kind of took this journey with Dr. Maya Angelo, and I dropped into my heart, and I remembered that God loves me, too. And then, you know, it's Thursday afternoon and I'm yelling at somebody. You know, and it's okay. It's part of our walk, right? We're human and we're on an evolutionary journey. So it's not about judging ourselves or each other. It's just about recognizing that that experience is still with us. And if we can make it, if we can ground it in our cellular memory... By, by bringing physicality into our spirituality, all the more likely it will be easily accessible to us. So some of the practices we could consider are movement practices, like Qigong and yoga, that allow us to move with the energy of spirit and be reminded of that in the body and be practiced at that, or walk the labyrinth. I mean, the labyrinth is a walking meditation. That's the whole idea of the labyrinth. And it's got these three layers of the walking in, the centering in the middle. The walking in is basically just a shedding, a releasing, a letting go of whatever, shaking it off. You know, that Thursday night experience you had, you can shake it off on Friday morning, right? While you walk the labyrinth. And then when you get in the center, that's that centering time, that's that connection time, that's the feeling of the presence whether you feel it beneath your feet or in your heart or up in the sky, whatever it is, you have that sense. And to walk out is literally called incorporation, incorporeal, in the body. So it's an integration into the cells of our body as we are walking, whatever it is that we held in intention, whatever it is that we received in the center, whatever it is that we want to walk and bring out into the world. So these kinds of practices can really help us bring our physicality in. I probably shared before with you, my happy place is swimming. And when I swim, I sometimes uh, chant underwater, and it just brings it all together. It's like I can hear my voice, and I always wonder, do the other swimmers hear that? (laughs) I've been wanting to ask that for a long time, but I don't think they do. Nobody ever looks askance at me in the other lane or anything. But it's just that experience is like it all comes together, being in the element of water, being in this movement, this fluid movement of the divine, hearing sacred words. It's like, wow, this is so good. So can you find, if you don't have, find something like that, where it, like for you, it's like, oh, this is my happy place. This is so good. It's so nourishing on so many different levels, on body, mind, spirit, heart. It does it all. So whatever it is for us, let's explore and find those things that help us ground the presence so that when we do feel that connection with God, when we feel that connection with the innate divinity, it isn't just, and it's great if it isn't a single experience because every experience is a blessing. Every experience has a cumulative effect. And I don't mean to encourage us to be, you know, reaching and grasping and oh, I wish I had more of that experience. It's more just about I had it and now I continue to carry it with me. It's still with me. It's still breathing through me. I'm still in the heart of God. So rituals are another way that we can bring the body into this experience so that it is more holistic. And so those rituals could involve water. They could involve fire. They could involve other elements. It could be uh, pure like a purification, a release ceremony, all different things that we can do. You can make an everyday experience a ritual, anything that you do regularly. You know, washing your face becomes a ritual. Washing your hands becomes a ritual. Every time you cross a threshold, it's a ritual, right? So you can slow it down enough so that especially when you cross the threshold of your home or back home, you could do a ritual to release whatever experiences you had in the world, or to, you know, lift up what experiences you had, or to prepare yourself to go out into the world. Even just, you know, it doesn't have to be elaborate. It could just be a simple kind of intention. Ah, I'm going out into the world in joy right now, or I'm going out in service, or I'm coming home into my sanctuary. Thank you, God, for this sanctuary, this place where I can feel peace and feel you know, recalibrated, or whatever it is for you. So the mind, of course, we talk a lot about in unity, right? Uh, Our thoughts, our beliefs, the stories we tell ourselves working in this arena. The mind is a place where we have the ability to shift mentally from one perspective that's not so helpful or not really working for us to a whole new perspective. It can be so dramatic that we can move from a state of hell, if you will, a kind of state of being or consciousness, to a state of heaven. It can be that kind of shift that happens through the principles and practices and ideas that we share here on our journey. So our, our goal, as I mentioned, is to be not only to experience it, but to hold it, to carry it, to bring it, to become it. Yet everyday interactions with the divine may look more like they did for Denny. Denny was a young boy who lived on a farm, and he had a particular chore that he did every day. He would go and get the firewood and bring it in the house. And he usually did this in the afternoon, but one particular day he was playing with his friends and they were having a good time and he just kind of lost track of time. So later when he got home, he was reminded to go get the firewood. But it was winter, it was around dinner time and it was already dark. And then he didn't want to go out in the dark, he was afraid. So he was stalling and he was coming up with excuses and finally his mom said, honey, what's going on? You know, you need to go get the firewood. And he said he was afraid to go out in the dark to get it. And she said the barn spotlight will come on when you go out and, and you know, when you get close to it in particular. And more importantly, she said, God is out there. And God is always with you. So there's nothing to be afraid of. Well, it was a bit comforting, but he still was afraid. And so he was standing at the door. And he had this divine idea. And he opened the door, and he took one step out. And then he said, God, if you're out there, will you bring us some firewood? (laughs) We all want that kind of God, don't we? Come on. (laughs) I need help now. And I need it to look like this, right? <laughs> we want God to meet us where we are in our needs and to help us. And, you know, the truth is we're not calling to a God out there, right? The truth is that if we get close to that motion detector light, it goes on. But it takes us being willing even to move through our fear a little bit and to get out into the dark so we can get close to that light so it will come on and illumine our way through the dark. It takes our effort, our willingness to meet, to allow that truth to arise in us, to go to that place within us where we connect, where we experience the light and the love and the feeling and the presence and the knowing. And then we get fed from there and go forth. The unity of Walnut Creek description for this particular core value connection is written out like this. Connection is a pathway to oneness. We are whole in body, mind, and spirit. All people, all living beings, the earth and the cosmos, are one with the divine. Connection, then, is a recognition of our wholeness and a pathway to oneness. And wholeness is our, really our foundation, isn't it, in unity? Those of you who know the story of Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, our founders, you know that we began, in fact, new thought in general, not only unity, but new thought in general, began out of the ability to connect with our wholeness, to heal with whatever needs to be healed. Myrtle Fillmore healed a physical ailment, tuberculosis, through the spiritual practices she was introduced to, by meditating, by speaking affirmations to her organs, by connecting within herself, speaking those truths. And over time, she was healed miraculously. And Charles, her husband, watched like a scientist, with his wife doing an experiment before his eyes. And when he saw the success that she had, he followed suit. And he had this withered leg from a childhood accident and disease that caused his leg to be much shorter, and he wore a brace. And by doing these practices, his leg in adulthood actually grew. He was able to discard the brace, and eventually he just had, uh, I don't know if his leg went all the way even to the other one, but almost. That's miraculous healing, isn't it? Through the power of these spiritual practices and faith. So wholeness is a recognition of who we are. Of course, they went on to create the whole unity movement. It wasn't just about physical healing. It was about using these principles for everything. As Dr. Maya Angelo said, I can do anything. I can do anything from that place of knowing God loves me anything's possible. I can be and do anything. It's that power, that inspiration that comes from knowing that we are loved. Then we can relax, right? Then we can know, okay, everything's good. I'm safe. I'm taken care of. I'm comforted. I have this connection with me at all times. So then I have the the courage to take the step, I have the courage to take the step that sometimes feels maybe dark and unknown and unsure, but the courage is there because I know this truth and I've connected with this divine wisdom, this divine truth in me, and I carry it with me in the cells of my being. So I don't have to go so far to get it. It's right here. I know it. I know it not just intellectually, but I feel it in my heart. It's in the soles of my feet, in the palms of my hands. There is a wisdom and a knowing and a love. There is a presence that loves me. And so anything is possible through me and as me. That is humbling. That is humbling. That this God that made the universe, that made the stars and the blood that runs through our vein and all of this magnificence, this whole human body, that this source sourced us and loves us and lifts us and is with us always. And we carry it here and we access it here. And it feeds us and it flows from us. And then other people in our presence are awakened and they, too, then remember who they are and how they're connected and that they are loved. That's how the connections work. Somebody once told me, yeah, it's one thing to say nature is your church. And then she said, but it's a whole nother thing to do the work in community. <laughs> it, is, it is the coming together in relationship that allows that, that belief that we hold in oneness to, to, you know, put boots on the ground on that, right? <laughs> to really uh, allow ourselves to live the principle, this idea of oneness, this idea that we are all connected. It's like a, a rock tumbler. Did you ever have one of those as a kid or have you seen those before? My sister had one of those. So you take all these rough rocks, you know, and you put it in this tumbler, it makes a horrible noise when it's going. And then the rocks come out really smooth and beautiful. And that to me is what it's like to be courageous enough to really engage in relationship, to really be connected in spiritual community and family and neighborhoods and villages, whatever in whatever ways we come together. And to do the work together, to be here together in person, interacting, doing things side by side, serving together, lifting up our community together, doing outreach together, teaching and learning classes, discussing together, playing together, dancing together. All of that helps us grow. All of that allows us to connect. And like those rocks in the tumbler, sometimes our rough spots are going to get smoothed in the process. And it might not sound very good. It might not feel very good, right? Those sharp edges, those hot buttons when they get pushed. But that's where the work happens. And that's another form of connection that allows us to live the connection we can feel in our heart in those moments of knowing. In her book, See No Stranger, Valerie Carr says, uh, she invites us into this powerful practice that she talks about. She says, as you encounter people, say to yourself, you are a part of me I do not yet know. You are a part of me, I do not yet know. And this is not just for strangers, you know. This could be for your spouse or the people that are closest to you, especially in the moments where we might get into judging mindset to remind ourselves of this truth. You are a part of me, I do not yet know. It keeps us open and curious. It keeps us in the spirit of connection. And more importantly, out of that connection, it brings us the pathway to journey to oneness, to love, to truth, to presence, and to feel it and experience it with another can even be exponentially wonderful and joyful. You are a part of me I do not yet know. So making the connection with the divine within allows other connections to be made more easily and more effortlessly because we're, our cup is filled. Right? If our cup is filled then we're not out there looking for other people and expecting other people to do and for us and to show up certain ways for us. But it's, I've got my cup filled with the presence of God, with the knowing that I am loved. And therefore, it's easy to connect with others. It's easy to share with others from that place. And guess what? When we are in that place and someone else is in that place, the connection can be so rich and powerful and uplifting and help us grow spiritually, which is also the idea of being in spiritual community together. So let's start by remembering our indivisible oneness with God. The Sufi poet Hafiz shares this. No one can keep us from carrying God wherever we go. No one can rob God's name from our heart as we try to relinquish our fears and at last stand victorious. We do not have to leave God in the mosque or the church alone at night. We do not have to be jealous of the tales of saints or glorious mass, those intoxicated souls who can make outrageous love with a friend. Our yearning eyes, our warm, needing bodies can all be drenched in contentment and light. No one anywhere can keep us from carrying the beloved wherever we go. No one can rob God's name, God's precious name, from the rhythm of my heart, steps, and breath. We're in constant connection with the divine, in the bead of our heart, with every step that we take, with every breath that we take. Connection is a path to oneness and a recognition of our wholeness. Let's say it together, this affirmation. I am in constant connection with the divine. I am whole, and we are indivisibly one.